When Jenny and I got married, we thought about money differently. Okay, some of you knew my dad, and you knew that he was a big Financial Peace University fan, and, and he was totally live debt free, live debt free. My dad was not always that way. When I was a kid, I was clothed on JCPenney and Sears credit. And I remember mom and dad making payments to JCPenney and Sears credit cards, okay? And in fact, I remember dad at the bill table. Um, he, would, he wore suits all the time, so he'd have his. Uh, uh, he would be down to his t-shirt and he'd have an old pair of jeans on and he'd be at the kitchen table and there'd be all these bills. And these are the sounds that he would make. <sighs> so kids, if you've ever seen your parents in front of the computer or, or they're doing that, that's, that does happen. And so um, when I got to college, I knew how to save. So I would always set aside money for tuition and I could do that. But if I had an extra $20... I would spend that extra $20. If I had an extra $100, I would spend that extra $100. Jenny was not that way. And, and so when we got married, um, her experience growing up was totally different. Um, her parents required her to save her stuff. And her mom's here today, and I'm going to tell a little story. Um, in fact, every birthday check, Jenny says, every birthday check, everything went into a savings account. Um, and when she, uh, our junior year, she got a $400 stipend for being the business manager of the wind ensemble. And I was like, wow, you know, we could do some dates, we could do any number of things. Guess where the money went? Savings. That's exactly right. Okay, that's exactly right. How many of you remember getting $20 as a kid or $5 as a kid from grandma and grandpa? Did it not burn a hole in your pocket? Were you not asking, hey, can we go to Walgreens? Hey, can we go to Walmart? Hey, I need to go to the store. I need to go to the store. Who went to Walgreens? I don't know, Ben Franklin. K oh, wait, this would have been the 1970s. Kmart. Kmart, there you go. Blue light special, baby. Okay? Mom, Dad, I got $20 in my pocket, okay? Most people, I, I believe most people are not inherently savers. I believe most people are inherently uh, spenders. It's the American way of life. The American economy is predicated upon uh, uh, consumer spending. Seventy percent, seven out of ten dollars in America is because you and I spend money on stuff. I mean, that's, that's pretty big. Um, don't believe me? Just go to Gaddy Town and hang out at the uh, prize store. And watch the kids, okay? So if you, if, you've ne if you don't have kids yet, or, you know, and you've never done Gaddy Town, here's how it works. You, you take your kids to the birthday party. They're in this room. You have pizza and stuff. And then you can go do the games. And the host of the party is giving you a certain amount of tokens and stuff that do games in the big game room. And you can do whack-a-mole. You can do the shooter range. And if you do well on the games, you get tickets. And the tickets buy stuff. Tickets are like. Okay, so watch the kids in line at the ticket store at Gaddy Town. Hey, Mom, how much do I have left? Uh, 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 and they're going to spend every last ticket. And God forbid a parent has to leave early and does the thing. Honey, honey, we have to go. We'll save the tickets for later. How does that kid usually respond? No! Okay, we are not inherently... We are not inherently savers. It's not in, I don't think it's, it's in our human nature. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I have a scientific thing to prove this. I know some churches are like anti-science. I love science. 
I think science is awesome, science is cool, and so here's your scientific fact for the day. Humans are different from squirrels. <laughs> Let me make sure this side knows. Humans are different from squirrels. If you see Hammy the squirrel, and Hammy the squirrel comes across a nut, nine times out of ten, what is the squirrel going to do with the nut? Put it in a tree or dig a hole, and it's going to put it in the hole. Nine times out of ten, it's going to save that nut. Humans are so not like squirrels. When we come across the proverbial acorn or the proverbial nut, let's have a party. I mean, we are on it, and it is in and out. We spend it, okay? So humans are not like squirrels. In America, the way it works is lifestyle chases after your income. So lifestyle is like a cheetah, and it's running after your income. So if you're a poor college student and you only make $3,700 a year, the cheetah comes along and you end up spending $3,700 a year. Actually, you probably spend a little more because there's like Visa and maybe a student loan. And okay, but but if, if you're really doing well and you're a 25-year-old and you're pulling $30,000 a year, you know, the rest of your friends are pulling like eight or nine dollar an hour jobs, and, but you got 30 grand you will tend to spend in the course of the year $30,000. If you're an associate dean at the University of Kentucky and you're making $275,000 a year, you will spend $275,000 a year. It's just that your car will be foreign, as in German or something like that, or you'll have granite everywhere. Or, you know, there's always things we come up with to, uh, to spend the money that we have. The irony is, for those of us that are older, we thought, we honestly believed five or ten years ago that we would be better off today. We told ourselves, well, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the more steady job or when I'm out of school or when I get this debt paid off or when, and we honestly believed that somehow things would just be easier and we would be in a better place financially and that it would just happen. Um, but what happened is, we ended up spending the tax refund, we ended up spending the raise, we ended up spending the tax, uh, payroll tax holiday. We just ended up spending what came in through our, ha our, in, through our hands, which is why I want to share the second biblical principle about finance with you today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Second biblical principle about finance. Here it is. If you will act poor now, you can be rich later. If you act poor now, you can be rich later. See, we, we began this financial series by asserting that uh, money and hearts are conditioned. And what you do with your money says something about the condition of your heart. Well, today, I want to get you to make a decision to live on a percentage of your overall income. Because as Dave Ramsey says, if you will live like no one else now you can live like no one else tomorrow, and it's better, and it's awesome, okay? So many, you may not know this, but many millionaires in America live this way even though they don't know it's a biblical principle. I know. As I was doing research, did you know one out of three millionaires in the United States of America makes on average $50,000 a year? A third of our nation's millionaires aren't even pulling in six-figure incomes. What? I know. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Warren Buffett, like one of the richest men in the world, 
still lives in the house he bought in 1958 for $30,000. Sam Walton drove for years during his stint as CEO of Walmart this 1979 Ford F-150 pickup. It's actually in Walmart headquarters now, enshrined with lights. Oh, this is Sam's truck. <laughs> okay. So, but what tends to get reported and what you tend to see on the news and on the big screens are the exploits of Donald Trump or Lady Gaga or Justin Bieber or people who are extravagant with the money that they have. That's what tends to get reported. And the weird thing is, there are so many Hollywood um, famous people who had a five-year run with a TV show that was really popular and then it dropped. And they lived like, you know, insane. They spent everything they had. And then two years after the TV shows ended, their home's on the auction block. Star after Willie Nelson, Burt Reynolds. I mean, I could go down a list of Hollywood stars who've lost their homes simply because they were people and not squirrels. <laughs> So I'm wanting us to be squirrels, okay? So uh, we're going to look at three passages, three passages from the book of Proverbs. And you're not going to get a whole lot of explanation because stuff in the book of Proverbs is usually in the category of what I call, you read it and you go, duh, okay? It's just, you know, it's so clear and so out there. You know, I don't need to give you ancient Near Eastern history. I mean, it's just kind of, oh, yeah, duh. Okay, so the first proverb we're going to look at is Proverbs 13, uh, verse 7, Proverbs 13, verse 7. And I think they're going to put it up there, right? Wonderful. This is the proverb that describes our country, right here. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. We have a lot of people in America that are living well beyond their wage, right? And Visa and other people are kind of floating the living well beyond their, their wage. Um, in my 20s, I had a buddy who actually achieved the status of uh, partner in his firm. And to celebrate, he went out and he bought a brand new cherry red Volvo. And it had the windshield wipers on the headlamps. I had never seen those before. I was totally, your car has windshield wipers on the headlamps. And I wanted to try them to make sure they worked. Um, and that was kind of his big thing, I've arrived purchase. What he didn't know is that six months later, his wife would have these health issues. Eight months later, the firm would lose its largest account and literally, you know, buy out half of the partners. And that two years later, his house wouldn't sell. And here he was in that cherry red Volvo, which became the iceberg for his financial Titanic. Um, and so... Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. Dave Ramsey puts it this way. He says, act your wage, right? Act your wage. Don't act like Donald Trump. Act your wage. The problem is, right, in America, we, we, don't, we have this tendency, we're always looking up the food chain. Like if you live in a neighborhood and there's a better neighborhood next to yours, you tend to go walk in the better neighborhood that's next to yours. I mean, we're just kind of hardwired that way in America because we're always looking up the food chain. You know, it never dawns on us that we have something, you know, because we're always like, Meh, how come I don't have, you know, blah. And so there you go. All right, next proverb, Proverbs 13, verse 11. And this is one of the two that we're going to focus on today. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes 
quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. If you will act poor over time, you can chunk away large assets, large margin for down the road, if you will act poor over time. Um, I want to show one chart that Dave Ramsey always does in his courses. So I'm channeling Dave today. I apologize, but my dad is probably smiling. Okay, so if we can get the Ben and Arthur up here, okay? If you are under the age of 18 and you are here today, I'm about to give you the greatest gift financially you've ever received in your life if you will listen, listen, listen to this, okay? These are two brothers, Ben and Arthur. Ben's on the left, Arthur's on the right. Ben socks away $2,000 a year for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years from age 19 to age 26 and then he stops. He never puts away another penny. Arthur starts the very next year that his brother Ben stops and socks away $2,000 every year all the way to age 65. I don't, you probably can't see the bottom, but Ben ends up with $2.2 million. Arthur never catches up. He never catches up. That's one of those magical compound interest things. But if you imagine, so teenagers, some, some practicality. Many of you are like, well, I'm 13. I'd love to have a car. Did you know that if you socked away $25 a week for the next three years at age 16, you'd have $3,000. You could pay cash for a car that actually runs. What? I know. $25 a week? I could do that? Yes. It's crazy. Okay? So what I want for you and what I want for me is that we would act poor now so that we can have financial security, so that we can have margins, so that we can be rich later. And the last proverb uh, that I want to draw this out is Proverbs 21.20. All right? Proverbs 21.20. I get there in my Bible. Kaboom. All right? This is what it says. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So let me ask the rhetorical question. Who spends whatever they get? Humans. Fools. <laughs> Who do you not want to be? Humans. Fools. Okay. You guys are better than this. We are better than this. And my, my challenge today is a simple one. I want you to make a decision, and I want you to commit to live on a percentage of what you make, a percentage of what you earn or what you get. And you may find these little sheets of paper that are on your chair or near your chair. And if you're a husband and wife, you're going to have to go home and talk about this. But I want you to pick a number. Maybe it's 90%. Maybe it's 80%. Maybe you'll take one little baby step and you'll go, come no matter what, honey, we are going to live on 99% this year. 99%. I draw the line. We're only going to spend 99% of what we bring in. That's it. No more. You can be ferocious about it. And you're like, well, that's funny, but... How many Americans do that? Most Americans are living at 100% or 105% of what they bring in or 125%. And so I want you to make a decision to, to become a percentage liver and to actually live. I know it sounds like a medical term. A percent, to live, become a percentage person. Live on a percentage of what you earn or make. And if you're a teenager, I mean, this is huge. I had a friend, uh, a chamber friend, and we were comparing notes, kid notes, 
And her daughter got a job, and she said, I didn't give my daughter a choice. I told her, this is what's going to happen with the money. I'm like, really? And she said, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was real bossy about it. I said, you're going to give 10% to the church, you're going to save 50%, and you can have 40% of what you make. You didn't give her an option? No, I didn't give her an option. You know what? Then, then the next comment she says, yeah, but in the last nine months, do you know how much she socked away? No, how much? $1,000. What? I know. This 16-year-old's got $1,000 sucked away. All right? So you can do this. She's not smarter than you. She's not. She's not smarter than me or us, okay? So what if 10 years from now you were living on 60% of your income? What could you do with that 40%? You've got to act poor to be rich. You've got to live like no one else today to live like no one else tomorrow. You know what the difference is between lifestyle and income, if there's a difference, you know what that's called? Peace. It's called margin. It's called financial security. Don't underestimate that difference between lifestyle and income. I brought along another show and tell, all right? I got a picture. So I wanted to brag on my wife for a minute. If you've never, if you know the story of this couch, you can't, you can't say anything. So this is the couch that's in our living room. Oh, there's our cute little picture of our family and the Halloween stuff that Nana got. Okay. So this is, this is our couch. And I got another one that's closer up so you can get a really good look at it. So we can go to the next picture. Um, okay, there it is. How old do you think that couch is? Guesses. Wow, those of you know us well, right? This couch is 21 years old. I know all of you college students are like, that's older than me. <laughs> yes, it is. It has never been recovered. It has been in constant use for 21 years. All right? In 1992, this couch cost us uh, $1,300. Do you know where those funds came from? Jenny's savings account that we had been adding to when we got married. We just kept throwing money into that savings account, okay? What if in five years you were able to walk into a furniture store with 10 $100 bills, okay? You walk into Nicholasville Furniture and you see a couch there that's uh, $1,385. Call the salesman over and you go... You count the $100 bills in front of them. And you go, I know it says $1,385, but I have $1,000 here right now, and you know I don't need one, but I think I'd love to have that. What do you say? Would you take $1,000 for it? He'll, Let me talk to my manager. Please, I need a commission today, boss. <laughs> yes, we'll take $1,000. <laughs> you know, okay? What would that be like to do that? That would be awesome, Okay. Uh, what if you had extra for car repairs or when the furnace goes or the water heater goes and leaks the water everywhere, okay? It happens, it happens. I've had it happen twice, okay? Um, what if you had extra to be generous? You know, when they have that video on Facebook and it's these kids from Haiti and they're like doing this drive and you're like, yeah, and then you realize, oh, I don't have anything. I can't do anything. You know, what if you had that to be generous in those moments? At Generations Community Church, we are a percentage person, a percentage church. We 
have made a commitment. We live on, we spend on ourselves 88% of what we bring in. So for every dollar that comes in, we turn and give 10% of it away to people outside of the church, like the food pantry and other things. And then we don't save much right now, but we save 2%. And trust me, it's come in handy more than once. And 2%, even over six months, it grows. It's amazing. Okay? So I want you to pick a number. I want you to pick a number. I don't care if you're 16 years old. In the next 12 months, you could come into $325 in birthday bucks, random odd jobs, stuff. Pick a percentage of what you're going to spend and, and, and make some determinations about the rest. Here's why this is important. If you don't do this, if you don't pick a number, America will pick it for you. And America's number is not a happy number. The day may come when we have to do things like Welcome Canadian peacekeeping troops. I mean, okay, okay right? <laughs> that would be bad. Let's hope that never happens. But, right? You can't just spend, 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 spend. It, that never plays out well, okay? Here's, here's two. I want to tell you stories of two people who bear this out. If you act poor now, you can be rich later. The one is a, is a sob story, and you've probably heard of him. Jack Whitaker was the $315 million Powerball winner in 2002. At the time, it was one of the largest jackpot payouts in American history. The irony is Jack was already a millionaire. He owned a construction company in West Virginia, and at the time of that he uh, pulled the, the winning ticket for that $315 million uh, Powerball hit, his net worth was $19 million. I know, you're like, well, that's not fair. Remember what we said, nothing about money is fair. Okay, so, so he gets this $350 million. Most of that money now, today, is gone. It is squandered and gone. 500000 of it was taken out of his car once, outside of a strip club. Caesars Atlantic sued him for $1.5 million in unpaid gambling debts. Uh, and the list goes on. Thieves in 2007 hit 12 different branches of his bank and took money out of his you know, account. This long, sorry list. That man today says that winning that, having that winning ticket is the worst thing that ever happened to him in his life. Because like Jay Gatsby, he just, anything that came in, it went out lavishly. And it ruined his life and it ruined his family. Contrast that with a woman from New York City, Mary Bailey, little old Mary Bailey, who passed away in February of 2011. Mary's husband died in World War II. She never remarried, and they, they never had kids, so she never had children. She was a kindergarten teacher in the New York City schools. That's what she did. She taught kindergarten. Um, uh, she lived in a small apartment on the east side. One of her neighbors said this, her apartment looked like it had been decorated in the 1950s and that it had not been touched since then. Some people would call that vintage. Other people would call that junk or early attic. Okay? So at her death in 2011, it was disclosed because she made two big gifts. She had amassed $20 million legally. She had been squirreling away. She had a little inheritance money from her parents. And she just kept adding and kept adding. And that $20 million went to the New York Public Library, which she loved. 
and the New York um, Central Park Conservancy. She loved taking walks in Central Park. Her neighbor, her neighbor said this, her best friend and neighbor, you would have never known she had all that money. We rarely went out to lunch. And when we did, it was always someplace really cheap and always Dutch. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, ask your parents after church, okay? <laughs> all right? I want you to be more like Mary and less like Jack. And to get there, you got to act your wage. you got to make a commitment to live on a percentage of what you make, right? There's your homework for this week. Let me pray for you and pray for me because we're going to need courage, help, and all kinds of discipline.